as part of the Jeremiah Show. It's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar-winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Arwen Lewis on The Arwen Lewis Show. My show is under the Jeremiah Show platform. And today I have a very special guest for me, all the way from Houston, Texas, Mr. Al Stahaley. Al Stahaley is the only person on the planet who has both played Carnegie Hall and provided legal services for Stevie Ray Vaughan. Soon after arriving in Los Angeles in 1971, he and his brother John were asked to join the critically acclaimed band Spirit. With Al as the band's new lead vocalist, bass player, and chief songwriter, and John taking over lead guitar duties from Randy, California, Spirit record the album Feedback in November of 1971. We're here today talking about Al's extensive career and his most recent release, Somewhere in West Texas. The new album by the Americana singer-songwriter is out now along with a focus track, Mercy of the Moon. And today we'll be playing songs from his record and the track Something Good is Gonna Happen will be featured in its entirety at the end of the show. Al says great songs, two guitars, bass, drums, and a cloud of dust recorded way out west. And a quote by Jimmy Dale Gilmore says something good is going to happen. In fact, it already has. The new album Somewhere in West Texas by Al Stahaley is full of heart, humor, and fun. This recording is a long overdue, surprising, genre-leaping addition to the catalog of an iconic rock star. His Texas roots shine through, as do the musicianship and pitch-perfect, no-frills produ- production. It's a jewel. Al is a third-generation Austinite. He splits his time between Houston and the Big Bend High Desert area of the far west Texas. His album of new music, Somewhere in West Texas, was recorded in Marfa, Texas, and features an all-star lineup of musicians who we'll talk about later in the show. Al has played shows with artists like Roy Orbitson, the Jefferson Starship, and Emmylou Harris and more. And in 2011, Steady Boy Records oversaw the first U.S. release of the Polydor album with the new title, Alistair Haley and 10,000 Hours. In 2013, Cadillac Cowboys, an EP by Alistair Haley and The Explosive, was also released on Steady Boy Records. In more recent years, Al has returned to the studio and continues to play live, frequently with his brother John, Freddie Steady Kirch, Mike Rosenbaum, and sax player Evelyn Rubio. And hello, Al. Welcome to my radio show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Arwen, it's a pleasure and an honor to be among the first on your show. Thank you. And what an introduction on you I was able to give. You've had such an incredible career. It's been a long and winding road. Yes. And, um, you know, you're still creating, and I can't wait to share all of your songs um, from your new record today. And Al's also going to play live on the show this uh, morning, so don't go anywhere. Um, but I thought we could just kind of jump into our conversation, and I thought just start by you telling us uh, what inspired you to start playing music, and what was your first instrument? 
Uh, my first day, well, I took piano lessons twice for about two or three weeks mm-hmm. uh, and didn't last any longer because they were trying to teach me how to read music. Uh, and at the early age, that was not interesting. Uh, I'd rather be out playing baseball or, or something. But uh, what happened, so really a guitar was the first thing, and that happened because uh, right before I went to the eighth grade, I was uh, it. In those hot Texas summers, that summer I was on you know, the baseball team, I was playing golf. When I wasn't playing golf, I was caddying. And uh, apparently I was in the sun too much and not hydrating. I got a dehydrated kidney. I was looking forward to going out for football in the fall. And the doctor said, no, you can't do any uh, sports until next summer you can do baseball. My cousin came over and had a guitar and he taught me Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson. Oh. <laughs> and uh, that kind of started it all, you know. And so, so really, had I not gotten sick, I probably wouldn't have ever started playing guitar. Well, you know what? They say things happen for a reason. So, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's true. And uh, then I started taking guitar lessons from uh, a great guy named Wayne Wood and Actually, Eric Johnson later took from the same guy. Wow. Uh, although Eric became a much better guitar player than I am. But uh, anyway, that's kind of the way it started. Well, and um, aside from being a musician, you're also an incredible songwriter. Um, did you start writing songs around that time, too, or when did you start to write? No, the songwriting came later. I was... Uh, playing cover songs like all really everybody town was at that point uh, I mean I had a band in high school and I went to Austin High and uh, now you got to remember when I was in high school we're talking 62 uh, I graduated 63 so the band I was in in high school I was lead guitar player which really is not you know, we were doing venture songs, and we were doing Jimmy Reed songs. We weren't uh, doing uh, Led Zeppelin or anything like that because they hadn't come along yet. We all had crew cuts and uh, wore those plaid tux coats with little continental ties. That, anyway, it, it looks ridiculous now, but <laughs> that's the way it all start, started. And then uh, I went to the University of Texas. And uh, was in a band that played all the frat houses, and uh, but making really, really good money for those those days. It was a three piece band, and uh, my job was to learn a new song every week, something that was popular on the radio. Bring it to the one rehearsal we had every week. And at that time in Austin, even though Austin now is known for being the it promoted itself as the live music capital of the world and all that. It was a magnet for, for musicians then, primarily because uh, of the fraternity scene. Is that because, what did it? Okay. You know, it was a big university. All the party, there was no such thing as hiring a DJ for your party. Yeah. That would not even be on the radar. You had to have a live band. And so, I mean, that's how I met Don Henley and his. His uh, buddies from Linden, Texas, that were going to school in North Texas, uh, they, everybody came down to play all the frat houses on the weekends because they were the best paying gigs. Oh, and cool. Yeah. And so it's a little ironic sometimes because it's, from what I hear, it's very hard to young bands to get a paying gig in Austin these days. Uh, but 
and the, the frats went DJs. So, any rate, uh, back to your question, uh, when did I start writing songs? It wasn't until I realized that, you know, uh, I, I guess it was in the university and in law school uh, after I graduated from undergraduate uh, that I started thinking, well, look, if I want to uh, stick around in this music business, I better learn to write a song because yeah. I'm not going to be Eric Johnson. <laughs> Um, and so were the songs that you wrote, did they, what was that band called, by the way, that you were playing with in college? Did you guys have a oh, cool oh, name? That's the Fabulous Chevelles. That's fantastic. <laughs> we that's were fabulous. fabulous before the Thunderbirds were, or at least <laughs> we called ourselves that. <laughs> How cool. Um, and so did you start writing songs for that band? No, really, that was still, uh, I, in fact, I don't know if we did any original okay. songs. It was mostly a party band and uh, all that. Then, the la then, yeah, so I was kind of, I started writing, but we weren't really doing it. I was kind of saving them up. My idea was, uh, so why did I go to law school, you might ask? Well, I was in a band, and that band in college, I was pre-med, I was in a band with two law students, and they already had they were, had wives and a kid. Uh, it was time for me to graduate and go to med school. I would have had to leave Austin. And they said, look, you can't go. You're the lead singer and the bass player. You break up the band. We've got one more year of law school left. You've got to stick around uh, until we graduate, at least. Go to law school with us for one year. Then you can... Do whatever you want, but and I couldn't hang out because Vietnam was going on, and I wasn't too excited about going over there. So, uh, so I actually started law school to keep a rock band together. Uh, after the first year, I'd realized I'd been tricked. If you finish the first year of law school at University of Texas, you might as well finish because they're trying to get rid of you that first year. If oh my you, God. So you make it, make it through that. Uh, so, at any rate, but I'd already decided once I got to law school, I was going to try music uh, full time. And uh, so I thought I better start writing, getting down on the songwriting thing. And the summer of 69, I went to New York for the summer. That was before my third year of law school. I had an uncle that lived up there in Manhattan. So, uh, and I've been up there a couple of times. So I made some great contacts, ended up. Uh, accidentally being on the David Frost show. <laughs> accidentally, uh, how did if, that happen? Well, I mean, I, you're too young to remember this, but there was a he had a 90 minute show, and uh, it would. It, well, it happened because I was working for ASCAP that summer. I got a summer job working for ASCAP. Oh, okay. Somebody came through the office said, "Anybody want two tickets to the David Frost show?" I said, "Well, okay." So me and my buddy went up there. We're sitting in the balcony. Uh, he had uh, John Hartford on, who you know wrote "Gentle on My Mind," mm -hmm. and he played "Gentle on My Mind," and they were uh, talking about songwriting. And he said, uh, and "All of a sudden, David Frost turned to the audience and says, well, does anybody in the audience write songs?'" And I said, uh, "I raised my hand, and he, he looked. I said, yeah, oh, oh, you do. Well, uh, what?" What what's the name of the song? And I said, Well, I haven't named it yet, but I can play it for you. And he said, Come on down. And oh my gosh, that's amazing! I, I couldn't believe. I mean, that would never happen to, in today's world, you know, you know, TV. And so I went down. John Hartford loaned me a guitar, and then he picked along 
behind me while I did the best song I had at the time, which probably wasn't that great. But, you know, as we've all heard, uh, exceeding expectations is what it's all about. And so I'm sure that uh, the audience didn't expect much from this guy coming out of, out of oh. the audience. But I exceeded their expectations, got a great, great applause and uh, and David Frost said, oh, you wrote that song? Said, yeah. yeah. Asked me a couple of questions, and I was back upstairs. And then uh, after the show, and Linda Ronstadt was on that show, too. And that was when Bernie Ledden was in her band, and uh, not yet when Henley and Farrar were. But uh, it's a, this guy from stopped me and said, hey, I'm, I'm with the English uh, music magazine. Could I take you to coffee? And I said, well, I, what for? He said, I'm sure that when this show comes out, uh, it's going to be a big deal for you. And uh, he said, I don't know about the U.S., but it, if this would have happened in England, it'd be an overnight thing. And, wow. and I said, well, okay. So as we go downstairs, we get in the lobby. Linda Ronstadt came <laughs> Back to find me and said, that was really good. And I was so stunned by all, all this. I, I didn't have the presence of mind to, to, to do anything except, oh, well, thank you very much. I didn't say, hey, well, want to hear some more songs later? Or so, you know? Need a band? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, so even before, well, and also, I, I don't we, I'm, I'm, I'm meandering here. This you got to bring great. me back to what you want. But that, just to finish off that, it was a, kind of a wacky summer. I met Hare, the Broadway play was going at that time. Uh, I actually auditioned for it because they were still taking auditions because people, you know, sometimes leave the cast. Rado and Ragney, James Rado and Jerry Ragney, who wrote it, uh, I did the audition. You had to go up and sing a song a cappella, and for whatever reason, I I, I sang Lou Rawls' "Dead End Street." I think because it, it, you could sing it a cappella and had a nice beat to the way it, the rhythm of the melody. And they took me to lunch and said, "Look, if you stick around uh, New York for a few months, there's a guy leaving the cast. You'd be perfect." And I was thinking, well, you know, I've got two years of law school by. I probably ought to go back and finish that last year. Then maybe I'll come back to New York. And uh, while I was, we were having that lunch. Jerry Ragney was. He seemed to be the spacey one. I think he was probably stunned. Yeah. Uh, and he was drawing with some markers and a and a pad. And at the end of it, he pulled his and he was doing this kind of psychedelic portrait of me and gave it to me. Well, I just I stuck it in. I took it home, stuck it in a frame, and he signed it, you know, Peace and Love, Jerry Ragney. Blah, blah. And uh, two years ago, I, I released some music that I'd never released that I did back in the 70s uh, between Spirit. Uh, it, well, it, it's entitled Post Spirit Volume 1, 1974 to 1978. Nice. So, so not, not very romantic title, but descriptive and i was looking for thinking of a album cover for it that would kind of be from that era and i used a, a photograph of that thing that jerry ragney did so kept it all it, those years if you look up on, on, on spotify the last album i put out with uh it had a lot of great people uh, 
had uh, Steve Steve Cropper and Pete Sears and uh, Gary Malabar and uh, Al Garth and Snuffy Wald. Any rate, uh, so I finally utilized that that thing. But then when I went back, finished up uh, University of Texas Law School, took the bar exam, got it over with. Went to L.A., and the last drummer I had in the band before I went out there, Curly Smith, uh, had joined, just joined up with Jay Ferguson and Mark Andes, who were leaving Spirit and starting JoJo Gunn. So I got out there, and Mark Andes introduced me to uh, Ed Casty and um, Randy California and uh, John Locke, the remaining members of Spirit. And so I rehearsed with them a few weeks, and uh, they asked me to join the band, and so that's really how that happened. Uh, it's, uh, and then which, you started writing songs for Spirit. You became kind of the primary songwriter for that next that album. Feedback. I wrote seven of the songs. John Locke wrote three. He wrote two really cool instrumentals and one with lyrics. And um, yeah, so I became the lead singer and. <laughs> Spirit. Song, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it it happened so quick. But believe yeah. me, I paid my dues later when yeah. the band broke up. <laughs> yeah, you like to think that uh, careers are a steady staircase, or as a stairway to heaven, as it were. This was not. <laughs> well, the music business, you know, it's. I think a lot of it has to do with how you, what you make of what you have, and I think even playing in small clubs or just, it's just as cool of an experience to be part of a counterculture as it is to be exalted too. Um, but we're going to get ready to go out to break really quickly, and we'll come back and talk a little more about Spirit <laughs> and, of course, your new release. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is an awesome show. I have Al Staheli. Rock and roll music legend all the way out from Houston, Texas. He was part of the band Spirit. We're talking about that. And he's recently just released a new record called Somewhere in West Texas. We're going to take you out to break from the song Night in the Box from that album. Bring you back in with the song Long-Legged Woman. You can find out more about Al Stahaley at alstahaley.com. You spell Stahaley, S-T-A-E-H-E-L-Y. And Al has only one L, so I'm going to respell that for you. A L S T A E H E L Y dot com. Look him up on Facebook under Al Stahaley and Instagram at Al Stahaley. And once we come back from break, you're also going to hear a live song that Al is going to perform in the studio in Heart of the Blue Supermoon tonight. And we'll give you the title of that song when we come back. This is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show.
Hi, guys. This is Pi Jacobs. That's P-I like math. And I'm here on the Arwen Lewis Show. If you want to find me on your own, you can find me easily everywhere online or pipijacobs.com. See you soon and have fun with the show. Good morning, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis on The Arwen Lewis Show. You just heard my very special guest today, Mr. Al Stahaley, all the way from Houston, Texas. And by the way, Al and I are going to be performing live uh, this Friday at Lost Chord Guitars and Solving. And um, we're going to be joined by Walk the Whale. It's going to be a really special show. So come on over to Solving if you're around on Friday night. The show starts at 8 p.m. And you can find out more about Al at alstahaley.com. Spelt A-L-S-T-A-E-H-E-L-Y dot com at Alstahaley on Facebook and on Instagram at Alstahaley. Plus, you can look them up on all your favorite digital platforms to hear the music if you're not listening to the show right now. And uh, you can, um, so you just heard Long-Legged Woman from his most recent LP that's uh, been released called Somewhere in West Texas. And now Al's going to perform live for you on the show. Since we have a blue supermoon tonight, he's going to play his song Mercy of the Moon. And then followed by a song What's Wrong With You for Loving Me. And here we go. Please enjoy this live concert on the Arvin Lewis Show. At the mercy of the moon She can take me where she will Run me ragged, stand me still Turn me cold and make me swoon I'm at the mercy of the moon And tonight I see the light Pouring down all over you And as the dew begins to fall And your lips begin to call I'm into the deep night to And I know Take 
Okay, this next song has a little story that goes with it. Um, I was driving from Austin to Houston, and that's Highway 71, and before it hits I-10, sitting next to me, it was a woman I thought I was in love with at the time, and I told her so, and she turned to me and said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I said, wait a minute, are you, are you saying, what's wrong with you for loving me? Is that what you're saying? She said, yeah, I mean, and she was kind of smiling, but I wasn't sure she was serious. Well, let's just say the relationship didn't work out, but uh, I thought, what a great song title. So, any rate. Uh... Oh, what's wrong with you for loving me? When you've seen how crazy I can be. The only flaw in a you that I can see Is what's wrong with you for loving me Well, you're fine as a wine that comes from France And your mind is full of common sense Oh, well, you're right, it's rain about every little thing The only flaw in you I see Is what's wrong with you for loving me I'm living large, baby, when you call my name I don't care much about fortune or fame Loving you is what I do best I can't seem to get a handle on All the rest of what's wrong With you for loving me Well, my love for you is a runaway train Well, it's that big old powerful thing That keeps me sane I get to the right. I 
blow my own whistle too Oh, what's right with me for loving you? Oh, what's right with me for loving you? Thank you, friends and neighbors. Thank you. Uh, now, the recorded version, you'll hear a great solo by Scrappy Judd Newcomb. Uh, so I kind of cut this short, uh, the song a little short. Uh, if you don't know who Scrappy is, uh, if, he's a well-known guy around Austin, and this, he played with Ian McCloggin's Bump Band. He's played with uh, and produced Slade Cleave's new album, uh, if you Americana folks probably know who Slade is. He's played with Ray Wiley Hubbard. He's recorded with... At any rate, he's a really cool guitar player. And uh, that's what... And he produced this record of mine. And uh, I mean, if you should listen to the album for no other reason but to listen to uh, Scrappy's guitar work on the song. It's really cool. Get that out there for everybody. And so you are hearing some songs today uh, from Alistair Haley's recent release somewhere in West Texas. And we're going to head out to break now um, with a song from that record called Wide-Eyed and Innocent. And then we'll bring you back in with the recorded version of Mercy of the Moon. And you're listening to Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is Alistair Haley, and we'll be right back. This is Alistair Haley. I've got a new album called Somewhere in West Texas. And looking forward to being with Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Show right now. Hey, this is Jason from Rust Dust. Uh, you can hear Rust Dust music anywhere uh, there's some streaming device. And uh, you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Show. I'm at the mercy of the moon. She can take me where she will Run me ragged, stand me still Turn me cold and make me swoon I'm at the mercy of the moon And tonight I see 
Pouring down all over you And as the dew begins to fall And your lips begin to call I'm in too deep now Good morning, everybody. This is Armin Lewis on the Armin Lewis Radio Show. My very special guest today is Alistair Haley. And he, I'm going to say this again, is the only person on the planet who has both played Carnegie Hall and provided legal services for Stevie Ray Vaughan. So that's really cool. He's here all the way from Austin, Texas, um, doing some shows out here in California. And it's so nice to be to stop by the studio in Santa Barbara and do this show. And Al and I are performing with Walk the Whale this Friday, September 1st at Los Couture Lost Chord Guitars and Solving So you can come check us out there uh, Show starts at 8pm Tickets are available at the door They're $10 or at uh, lostchordguitars.com And anyway Al I thought we could kind of um, Finish up talking about your experience uh, In the band Spirit And um, so you were the primary songwriter Lead singer and bass player And then uh, I just thought We could talk about some of your shows Like what are some highlights of I'm sure you played some amazing venues and concerts with them So what was that like? Well you just mentioned the Carnegie Hall So it's kind of hard to uh, I'll tell you a funny story That kind of ties About Carnegie Hall show that ties into uh, A little bit of what I was telling you earlier About my uh, summer of 69 in New York when I was working for ASCAP in that summer of 69, uh, they, I got them to buy tickets for all the Schaefer concerts in the park in Walman Rink. I mean, and everybody was coming through there. That was Woodstock summer. And uh, Ron Delsoner was the promoter that promoted those shows. And so uh, I got kind of got friendly with Ron because I'd be at the shows, and he knew I was the guy from ASCAP just kind of... Uh, uh, trying to meet and say hello to the acts and their management. Really, it was a scam for me to get to go to all these shows, but I, t- I talked to ASCAP and buying these tickets. Uh, and uh, so, at any rate, skip ahead. That was 69. Skip ahead to 72. Uh, April of 72, uh, Spirit was headlining Carnegie Hall. Well, uh the dressing room of the Carnegie Hall are upstairs, and you come when you come down to the stage, you come down kind of a narrow stairway. I'm coming down with my bass on, ready to uh, do the show. Meet who do I meet coming up the stairs? Ron Delsoner, uh, who's the promoter of the show, who did not know I was in spirit, <laughs> and I, I meet him on the stairway. He looks at me and says. What are you doing here? <laughs> I said, I'm working for you tonight. Said, I didn't know you were in this band. And so uh, that was a memorable night. Dr. John, I can't believe it when I say this now. Dr. John was our opening act that night. And that was his the era of Dr. John in full robes, regalia, makeup, glitter, throwing glitter everywhere. Sounds great. Uh, his gri bag. The whole shebang. Uh, in fact, we, we did a lot of shows with Dr. John because we had the same uh, booking agency. And we, sometimes we did shows, but we could always tell if he had been to the city before us because there would be glitter in the grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool memory. Oh, man. There was, 
Um, well, and so, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about Spirit for the rest of the show, but I wanted to ask you, like, who are some of your greatest musical influences? Wow. Um, gosh. Uh, well, in the really early days, like, you know, before I started writing songs and everything, I could say, did so many in those days, and you can even tell it with the Beatles on their first album. If you were in a band, you were expected uh, to uh, play uh, all different kinds of things. And you can tell that, like, that apparently the Beatles had to do that in the beginning, too, because they were, you, that first album they were doing, you know, there were bells on the hill, but I never heard them ringing. That's song yeah, the world. You know, I mean, that, that, <laughs> Good yeah. impression, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were they were doing... The Fifth Beatle. Yeah, yeah, the Fifth Beatle. They were doing... Right here on the show, the Arvin Lewis show. They were doing cover songs. So, I mean, in the beginning, uh, I just liked good songs, you know. And so, I mean, I liked... But, I mean, let, let's face it. Uh, uh, Chuck Berry... Um, it was very influential, and and uh, Buddy Holly, uh, believe it or not, um, let's see who was it. Also, uh, I'm blanking on the blues, but there were certain blues guys. You know, coming coming from Texas, uh, there was great influences because there were so many blues players from there. You're close to Mexico, you get uh, Mexican influence. Uh, you're close to Louisiana. You get the, the whole New Orleans influence. So it was a kind of a whole gumbo of influences. Like when I was in high school, uh, yeah, Jimmy Reed is who I was around there. Jimmy Reed was a big thing when I was in high school. Uh, and you can tell that. Well, Bob Dylan has said that Jimmy Reed was a big influence of, on him. And, uh, in fact, you can hear, you listen, uh, I was listening to a Jimmy Reed song, and then one of his... Uh, I don't remember which one it is, but he goes, oh! You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, where, that's where Dylan got that, you know? Oh. Uh, and then... Sneaky. <laughs> Bob Dylan was very sneaky. He was sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and anyway, so uh, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, but then in my, we were even doing venture songs. and yeah. But we were doing, we had to do a couple of country songs. and um, But... Ultimately, I got to play with Chuck Berry, uh, if you want to hear about that. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that. I mean, cool. many people did because, uh, as you've probably heard, there was a long period of time. Quote, when, unquote, many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he would make the promoter uh, hire a band to back him up. He would just show up uh, with his guitar, and this was kind of... Uh, after the prison years, mm -hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> when, uh, when, uh, you know, cause he was, you know, he's, you know, Joni Mitchell has said, and I agree, she'd said at one point that he's one of her favorite lyricists. I mean, when you listen to those songs, it's not just, you know, I mean, the stories he tells and the way he tells them are, were brilliant. Um, but this was kind of after he was having auto hit records, you know, in the, uh, mid '60s, and uh, and so, at any rate, my band, my college band, was hired to back him up uh, for three days uh, in Houston and Galveston, and we got there the first night uh, in Houston, or really the first afternoon. Got set up, expected Chuck to be there uh, to probably go over some songs, 
the club owner didn't even know if he was in town. <laughs> I hadn't heard from Chuck. Finally, he's he's getting nervous, and we, uh, so we went back to the motel, changed clothes, came back. Club was packed. There was no Chuck Berry to be found. The club owner said, well, you guys just start playing, you know. So about 45 minutes in our set, I'm standing up on stage looking, I see the front door swing open. Here comes Chuck with a Gibson guitar case in one hand and a blonde white woman in the other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like that scene in Crazy Heart. And walks up to the set of stage, opens the guitar case, puts that Gibson 335 or whatever it was around his neck, walks up. (laughs) plugs in, kind of nods to us, and just starts playing songs. He doesn't tell us what he's going to play. He doesn't tell us the key. He didn't, you had to look around and see where his hands were. To, uh, and uh, so at any rate, about the second night, you know, it, it, it got better. So when I came to out to L.A. in 71, a few years later, and the only gig I got before I joined Spirit was what? Bagging up Chuck Berry at San Bernardino Auditorium. So I go to, back and I, backstage before I say, Chuck, I don't know if you remember me. Um, we worked together back in Texas a few years ago, and I know how you like to work. You don't like to tell us what the songs you're going to play. <laughs> but if you would just shout the key before the song, that'd be a big help. Uh-huh. He said, he looked at me and said, man, I'll give you a four-bar intro. I, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I said, okay, never mind. He figured by the time he went, he ought to be able to figure out the key and <laughs> probably the song. So. Oh, what a great story. Um, well, I mean, and you've also played with some other amazing musicians, um, and like, and so anyways, I thought we could, let's talk about the musicians, uh, before we go out to break really quickly, who are on somewhere in West Texas. That's your most, ah, uh, yes. yeah. Well, in fact, let me tell you how this came about. It, I had, I wasn't even planning to do an album, which is, I think one reason I really liked the way it turned out because nobody was really trying too hard in terms of making serious, uh, oh, we're going in to do an album. This was kind of during the pandemic, um. Uh, even though I spend most of my time in Houston, uh, we have a place out in Marathon, Texas, which is the closest town to the entrance to Big Bend National Park. Uh, and you enter Big Bend National Park, there, and you come out the other side in Terlingua, which you've probably heard of. So those are the two ends of Big Bend National Park if you drive through it. And we were out there for a month. Everything was kind of shut down, and I was— thinking, you know, I got all these songs I keep saying I'm going to record, and I haven't done them, and I've heard there's a studio in Marfa, which is like 45 minutes away, and I know two really good musicians there, Fran Christina, who had been with the Fabulous Thunderbirds. He was a drummer on, really, I think all the songs you probably remember from the Fabulous Thunderbirds, Uh, and... He and his wife had relocated uh, to Marfa a while ago. His wife, Julie Speed, is a very well-known painter uh, and very successful. And uh, also, I knew a guitar player that I referred to earlier, the scrappy Judd Newcomb. He had relocated from Austin. uh, And so I I called him up, and I just said, I heard there's a studio. I just want to lay some songs down and... Uh, and Scrappy said, yeah, okay. Well, uh, actually, I know the guy that's got studio. In fact, I'm going to be doing another session there. Uh, he said, is, 
he said, Chris Marish is coming to town to play bass on this other session, and as soon as that session is over, uh, we can probably do yours. And I said, well, see if Chris wants to play bass on my record, because I don't want to play bass on it, because I wrote the songs on acoustic guitar. And, and Chris, if you don't know who he is, uh, credible bass player. He played with Eric Johnson for years. He's played on uh, he played Michael McDonald's records. He's played with us. Uh, Great bass player from Austin, uh, and I'd seen he and Scrappy work together with uh, uh, Johnny Nicholas. I knew they could had a thing together. So we had one rehearsal at uh, Franz went over six songs, and then cut six basic tracks in the fir- first day, and uh, they and then went back and did a few overdubs another day, and. Anyway, they're the ones that talked me into it. They said, man, th- come back with five or six more songs and you'll have an album. I said, really? They said, yeah. So about six weeks later, I went back and we did six more. And uh, The rest then, is history. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it probably if I'd said, let's go do an album and got all serious about it, we would have... T- wouldn't have had as much fun doing it. And I think the fun comes through on this record now. You can totally hear that <laughs> on all the songs. They're all so amazing. Um, and all the songs that you're hearing today on the show are from Al's recent release called Somewhere Out in West Texas. And we're going to take you out to break with the song Long and Hard and bring you back in with Emily. And we're here with Al Stahely, um, rock and roll legend, entertainment attorney. And you can look him up and more about his music on alstahely.com. That's A-L-S-T-A-E-H-E-L-Y.com under Al Stahely on Facebook and at Al Stahely on Instagram. You're listening to Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. Trey Cornish. I'm Koala. Hi, this is Lydia McIntosh. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Arwen Lewis Show.
Good morning, everybody. This is Arvin Lewis on the Arvin Lewis Radio Show. My very special guest is Mr. Al Stahaley, all the way out here from Houston, Texas, doing some shows in California. And we'll be playing on Friday, uh, September 1st at Lost Score Guitars and Solving with Walk the Whale. Come check us out for a cool songwriter night. And Al, I thought we could just finish up by talking about... Um, I mean, we're discussing your most recent album, Somewhere in West Texas. Uh, But let's talk about, you know, like for 20 years, you didn't have a solo career because you were busy raising your family and everything. Um, And then you revived it. So what inspired you to get out there again and keep performing? Well, I'll tell you, uh, your friend and mine, Freddie Steady Kirch, Mm -hmm. who I think has already been on your show. uh, I met Freddie back in... uh, when I was still living in L.A., and he was playing with B.W. Stevenson, uh, and I, at the time, I didn't have a record deal, and he came out and, uh, well, actually, no, no, he, he reminded me, we met when I was playing bass with Chris Hillman, and we did uh, a show together, uh, a festival in Texas, but then he came out to L.A., came over to my house, he heard these songs I had, and he said, oh, man, I want I want to move to L.A. And, and play in your band. I said, Freddie, you don't want to do that. I can't let you do that because right now uh, I've got, although I have good guys playing with me, when we do play, we make about 30 bucks a piece. That sounds like Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, said, yeah. I'm not going to let you move from a good, uh, Texas for this good gig. Well, luckily I didn't because he got, his next gig was playing with Jerry Jeff Walker, and it lasted about eight years, I think. So uh, So maybe he thought he owed me one. When, uh, uh, after, uh, well, and the reason I, uh, I quit uh, playing for a while was uh, my son was born in 85 I thought, I'm doing some cool things in music but I'm also doing this law thing I better bear down on this law thing uh, because the music isn't paying the bills and uh, so I didn't really go out and perform except once in a while I'll sit in with people uh, but then you know and, and the career built up like you mentioned earlier I represented Steve Ray Vaughan I started building up the entertainment law practice but at one point uh, Freddie I guess it's quite a while ago now uh, Freddie called and said hey uh, we know my band knows a few years old why don't you come to Austin and be a special guest and sit in and do three or four years songs I said well okay that sounds like fun he said hey let's, uh, let's go over to Threadgills and do a song swap me and Cam King, or why don't you join him? Well, okay, that's easy enough. Sit around, acoustic guitar, play some songs. He said, you know that album you had out in, uh, in Europe on Polydor uh, back in the 80s? You own that, don't you? I said, yeah, it's license is over. He said, you know, it's never been out in the U.S. Why don't you let me release it on Steady Boy Records? Nice. I said, oh, well, okay. So he puts the album out, and then he called and said, he said, you know, you got an album out. You got to play some gigs. <laughs> so I don't know if any, yeah, he's a, pulled me in. He pulled, yeah. So really, I would not be here talking to you and would not have had uh, this album out or been playing gigs for the last fifteen years if Freddie hadn't pulled me back in. And uh, and now you know he's uh, nice enough and generous enough to come play drums with me live when he what doesn't really drummer. have to. He's got so so many things to do. The last thing he needs to be doing is playing with me, but he does oh. it, and I appreciate it. Well, it's been so much fun getting to hear all your stories today, Al. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Um, sadly, we're out of time. So everybody stay tuned for uh, the second round of the Alistair Haley Show. No, um, and uh, um, anyway, you're listening to Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. My very special guest has been Alistair Haley. We're playing songs from his record somewhere in West Texas that's just recently been released. Um, and we're going to um, play in its entirety his song, Something Good Is Going to Happen. That's uh, off of his LP that we're talking about. And you can find out more about Alsta Haley at alstahaley.com. A-L-S-T-A-E-H-E-L-Y.com. May I just say that uh, it's also on Quarto Valley Records. Let me give Quarto Valley oh, yeah. Records a plug. They uh, won a Grammy last year on the Edgar Winter Brother Johnny album. And so I think I need to mention them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, and you know what? Your album's coming next. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so very much. All right, everybody. Have a good morning.
The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at Arwen Lewis. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.